What's it like when one of your friends on death row is led away and being executed? You have a prepaid call from William A. Aguirre. An inmate at the California State Prison, San Quentin. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. I had to be a different complete guy, which is the guy who walked the walkways of San Quentin's death row and without a gang, without a, a group of people around me, it was just me. Soon after you went into to be on death row, and you didn't really understand the prison workout system so much. But then he said, we're gonna do 75 sets of it. To me, that seems extreme. So I'm wondering if there's a danger of overtraining, wearing yourself out so that you're- <laughs> No, no, that's actually funny. That's, it's funny, I'll tell you why. I'm gonna... <laughs> that's a good one, man. Uh, I'll tell you why. <laughs> Welcome to Death Row Diaries. Today, We'll be discussing the case of one Thomas Martin Thompson, or Tommy Thompson. He was executed at San Quentin State Prison July 14th, 1988, at the age of 43. In September of 1981, he had a night out with friends, which ended in the death of a young woman. Questions remain about his guilt or innocence. Please follow the show on Apple Podcasts and rate and review it. You can follow us on Instagram, Death Row Diaries, and Facebook, Death Row Diaries. All right, let's get on to the show. Okay, welcome to Death Row Diaries. I'm Matt Ralston. And I'm William A. Nogueira with a glass of lemon juice in my hand so I don't sound like Mickey Mouse during the podcast. Classy. Uh, today we're talking about Thomas Martin Thompson, Tommy Thompson, uh, being the fifth person executed in the state of California since executions resumed in 1976. Um, and yeah, this is an interesting case, a little bit different than the other cases, huh? Uh, yeah, Tommy Thompson was convicted in 1981 of rape and murder of a 20-year-old uh, Orange County woman named Ginger. And I'm going to screw this up again, although Matt has told me how to pronounce this. So I'm just going to say Felichine or Felichine. I'm, yeah, I'm bad with this. Why don't we oh, just call her Ginger? Crime. No disrespect to her. Why don't we just say Ginger? Yes. So, and his crime partner, David Leach, was convicted of second-degree murder in a separate trial a couple of years later. So the long, the long story is that uh, Tommy Thompson and David Leach were, I guess, buddies and roommates. And after a night of partying, she ends up stabbed to death and is later found dumped in a field in uh, about 10 minutes from their apartment. Yeah, but I think it's important for us to really um, discuss what happened that night because I think it gives the... The, the, the audience a good like step for step uh, analysis because I think it's it's the crutch of the entire case um, and, and this is different than the other cases we've reviewed the other cases we've done which are four um, before this one all of them people that are executed all of them um, admitted they had done it uh, once a serial killer the other one killed children uh, so we didn't have any discussion or uh, question of innocence. In this case, 
We have exactly that. We have a U.S. Ninth Circuit federal judge by the name of Stefan Reinhardt, and he states, and he maintains this to today, that Tommy Thompson was executed only because the U.S. Supreme Court ruled preventing the lower courts from considering the merits of the case and that an innocent man may have been put to death. So this, is, this isn't this is some Yahoo just running his mouth. This is a federal circuit judge. And at one point, three months prior to his execution, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals completely reversed Tommy Thompson's case and ordered a new trial. So I think, Matt, we should really concentrate on what happened that night so we can give the viewership a a kind of step-by-step of what really happened. And I think it goes to the person's state of mind, and you can kind of say, well, this could have happened or this could not have happened the way they said it did. Yeah, absolutely. One good example of what you're talking about is a politician named Donald Heller who actually drew up the 1978 Proposition 7, uh, which is what led to these executions. After this execution, he became uh, an outspoken opponent of the death penalty. So there's a lot of gray area here. Uh, yes, yeah, so why don't we start with what kind of where the night started? Yeah, okay, so so on September 11th, 1981, the victim, Ginger, and Tracy Leach, who is David Leach's ex-wife, they meet at a pizza parlor where they encounter, of course, her ex-husband, David, and Tommy Thompson. So from there, they go to a place called the Sandpiper Inn in Laguna Beach. And um, after a while, a conversation happens where Tracy and David Leach have to leave to go speak to David Leach about a, a job or, or some kind of work-related um, issue. So Tommy Thompson and Ginger stay back. They're drinking. They're having a good time. A bit later, they're, um, they're joined by a guy named Afshin Kashani. And I'm hoping I'm getting this guy's name right. And again, after a while, they leave the place and go to a place called the Boom Boom Room, where they drink, they're dancing, they're having a good time. And at one point, Mr. Kashani produces hashish, and and, uh, at least him and Tommy Thompson smoke it together. So nothing's really happened then that would make anybody think this night is going to go awry. Around 1 p.m., they leave and they go to 1261 Oceanfront in Laguna Beach. It's the apartment that both David Leach and Tommy Thompson share, which, by the way, Miss Ginger, the victim, also lived there at one point and had moved out. So they're there, they're drinking, they're having a good time. Around 2 a.m., Miss Ginger leaves to get something to drink from a liquor store. And while she's gone, Tommy Thompson tells Mr. Kashani that he wants to be with her. So that, that's not very strange. I mean, the guy sees a beautiful woman, decides he wants to be with her. So at some point, after Ginger leaves, Mr. Kashani leaves also. And when he's getting close to his truck, realizes he forgot his cigarettes. And this is where it gets a little weird for me. He goes back to the apartment, and then he says that the door of the apartment is open. And before he can get inside to get his cigarettes, a nervous Tommy Thompson comes to the door, and instead of letting him in, he hands him his cigarettes and closes the door and leaves. Okay, so with timing, Matt, I mean, he's been gone three minutes. 
Miss Ginger is at the liquor store. If she came back in that time, I can't imagine that something happened in those two minutes while he went downstairs to go to his truck and realize he had his cigarettes and come back. So I, in my opinion, I would discount that completely. It, it's no relevant. It's just someone, in my opinion, being interviewed by law enforcement. He's a little nervous in 1981, having hashish, smoking weed, would have got you put in jail. So he wants to be extra cooperative. Well, you know, like this guy Tommy, he's nervous. You know, he's already accused of murder. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, exactly. Um, and he's, uh, yeah, he's scared. And he's also been out with uh, these people that night. And I guess he's familiar with David Leach's ex-wife, Tracy Leach, right? Exactly. And a lot of her story is very strange. And, and it, it mimics that of this guy in that... Um, you know, it's it's good to be concerned, and no one thinks that those two people are guilty. But they're 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 really eager. They're either paranoid about something, or it, it's they're being presumptuous that something happened because she would say um, that's Tracy Leach, <clears throat> the uh, co-accused co-murderer's ex-wife. That Ginger asked her, "Do you think David would have Tommy?" kill me and the reason that she would ask that is because david would be jealous um that the two of them were having relations uh, i'm sorry that his ex-wife would be jealous that the two of them were having relations right yeah exactly so it, it looks like tracy Lee is already covering for her ex-husband in some way because all of this what we're talking about comes out after um, they find uh, Miss Ginger. So, and here again, we have to look at everything as it happens and state of mind in people's actions when they're not being watched tells a lot about what's going on in their lives and what they're thinking. For example, by two o'clock that morning, she leaves, meaning Miss Ginger, the victim. If she was scared of Tommy Thompson as Miss Tracy Leach says she's out of the house she's at a liquor store why would she return to the apartment where tommy thompson is at if she's afraid for her life in my opinion her her actions discount what tracy leach is saying because it makes no sense if i'm afraid of somebody and i'm afraid this person might do something to me the last thing i'm going to do is go back to a place if i'm free of that place now this person was not for six months in a, in a cellar being trapped by Mr. Thompson. She was free to go. There was no kidnapping. There was nothing going on. And it goes to, well, it suggests that maybe she was interested in some type of relationship with Mr. Thomas Thompson. So. Well, and that would be, you know, that would be backed up by the fact that, um, you know, there was some arguing back and forth, but, they found that she was not raped. She was murdered. Um, and they also found that she and Tommy Thompson had, that he had either raped her or that they had had consensual sex. They, they found that they had had sex. Correct. And I think what really, um, gives insight into that is that 
DNA was obviously found that matched Tommy Thompson's blood type. And for the audience's information, this is prior to DNA evidence and technology and evidence gathering. So all they could come up with is it matched Tommy Thompson's blood type. So let's just assume that it does because he even said, I had consensual sex with her. But they, so we're getting ahead of ourselves, of course. So, um, you let's, know, let's go back then. Yeah, so the following day, um, it's September 12th now, Tracy uh, is once again, according to her, she's asking Tommy Thompson, have you seen Ginger? And his response, at least to her, is she left with Kashani from the Sam Piper Inn. And then again, later that same day, at a party, Tracy finds Tommy Thompson there again, and she asks him again about her friend, uh, Miss Ginger. And according to her, his response is, it kind of refers to her in past tense. And again, that, that just seems very strange to me. And of course, after not hearing from Ginger for the following, yet another day, Tracy Leach files a missing report with the Newport Police Department. And um, yeah, on so September she, the 14th, I'll say, go ahead, yeah. Well, she says that, yeah, she asked uh, Tommy Thompson, you know, have you seen Ginger? Where is she? And yeah, her response was that he said, oh, she she was a good girl. She you have 60 seconds remaining. She, she was, you know, that he was a her in the past tense. If I was a defense lawyer, I would say maybe he meant last night. Yeah, she was great last night. You know, uh, my friend Bob, he, he was great last night. We were drinking and smoking hash, you know? Yeah, and, and that's the problem with some of these cases because everything everybody says seems to be, mean something or at least they're looking for it to mean something. And um, so, yeah, so let me call back and we'll start going into the fact when they find her finally and all the thing, the revelations that happen after that. Okay. So we're back, and um, unfortunately, I have an idiot yelling in the background, so hopefully it doesn't cut too much into what we're saying here. But So on September the 14th, 1981, the body of Miss Ginger is found in a grove of trees near the Interstate 5 in Irvine, California. They find two sets of footprints, one with a smooth-soled uh, print, the other one with a wavy salt print, suggesting two people were there. The body was found in a sleeping bag. There was a pink blanket inside there with the body. Both had matching fibers that, from David Leach's truck and the apartment. There was also red tape found on the rope used to wrap the body. It also matched paint from David Leach's truck. The victim's head was wrapped with silver duct tape. Her shirt and bra had been cut and pulled down to her elbows. But there was no evidence, and let me repeat this, there was no evidence of sexual trauma or vaginal bruising, which would be consistent with rape. Uh, A vaginal swab did reveal the presence of semen matching, as I mentioned before, Tommy Thompson's blood type. And, of course, I did mention also before that DNA evidence back then was nothing like compared with what they have today. They couldn't match it perfectly to him. All they could say is it had his blood type. Did we ever even find so, out if David Leach and Tommy Thompson have the same blood type? It's highly possible. 
been something the defense should have known, and I'm afraid that given the type of defense that Tommy Thompson had, that was probably not covered. Um, it's just unfortunate because there were so many mistakes and so many holes Specifically to the to the rape, that's the big part here because the rape is what makes Tommy Thompson the fall guy. It makes him the guy with the motive to kill to cover up a rape. Without that, they have a second degree murder or manslaughter, or of course, uh, uh, a conspiracy to dispose of a body. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really not good here for Tommy, obviously. The victim also had bruises consistent with wearing handcuffs. And the manner of death that she suffered, and it was terrible, she was stabbed five times in the head near the right ear, inflicted by a single edge blade. And the cause of official cause of death was a cut that extended through the ear two and a half inches, and it penetrated the cord artery. So basically, in layman's terms, she bled out. Yeah, on on the carpet of of the apartment that the two of them shared, and uh, I don't even I don't think there's any dispute, or maybe there is that the two of them were in the apartment at the time, as well, right? Yeah, the the her blood was in the apartment, so the crime committed um, probably at the apartment. Which, you know, there's, there's again, I, I don't know the amount of blood that was found, but if the cord artery is cut, that is a, it's like turning on a water hose. So there should have been a great amount of blood at the apartment. I don't know exactly how much was found, but there was uh, blood found at the apartment and it did match Miss Ginger. So this is basically all of the, the evidence regarding um, this you know, senseless murder. Uh, so, and meanwhile, you have now Tommy Thompson and David, both of them together, they leave for Cabo San Lucas. And while they're there, David makes a phone call and he, he comes back and he tells Tommy that Ginger has been stabbed to death and murdered with a pocket knife. And, you know, a day later, David again leaves the camp because they're camping on the beach to make another call, but instead this time, he goes into town, he pawns his truck, buys a ticket to the U.S., and suddenly, out of nowhere, Tommy Thompson is arrested on the beach on September the 26th, and cuffs are found in his possession, suggesting, well, that he killed uh, Miss Ginger. Yeah, and the option Kanashi, who testified that Thompson was nervous when uh, he went to he went back to the apartment the night they were partying to pick up his cigarettes and that Thompson was nervous and handed the cigarettes through the door. He also testified that Thompson had said repeatedly that he planned to leave the U.S. Um, not because of murder. It was just something he... Something I read was that he wanted to... Um, smuggle refugees out of South Asia to trade for gold. I don't know what that means. Um, but, you know, he, he could have just, as a hippie type of thing or, you know, a walkabout, he, he had already said he was going to leave the country. Now that could, if I say I'm going to leave the country, you're not assuming it's because I'm murdering someone. 
the next day, right? I, I'm just leaving the country. Yeah, and it also just suggests because the evening of the, well, the murder, um, Tommy Thompson, David Lee. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Didn't go to this place to meet Tracy and Miss Ginger. They were already there when uh, Miss Ginger and Tracy Leach met them. They were they, they met each other. Then they, they encountered. Hey, these guys are here. So it doesn't seem like it was very planned out. And uh, here, speaking from just watching people, their actions and what they do, it just this strikes me more as the truth that David Leach was upset that she was with Tommy Thompson and by all accounts David Leach was supposed to drive her home pick her up and drive her home because that was Tommy Thompson's defense by the way when he went to trial he said he had consensual sex with him and then he fell asleep and David was supposed to pick her up and take her home that does not or is not consistent with why uh, blood was at the apartment so there, there, there's there's lies on both sides here. In my opinion, they were covering for each other. If you ask me, they're probably both involved. Now, the only big question for me here is the whole theory the prosecution used to convict each one of them and that they used rape as the cornerstone of the defense. So, so we also have to discuss that during this trial, I was in the county jail with David Leach. Tommy Thompson was also there. They didn't, they were not getting along there. There were several arguments between the two of them. And Tommy Thompson's position had always been, hey, you know what you did that night. Get me out of this. So even while here on the row, Tommy maintained that his role in this was very limited compared to what David Leach's role was. This is Tommy Thompson speaking. And again, he could be completely lying about this. But there doesn't seem to be a logical reason why Tommy Thompson would kill her. And if he, let's just assume that he did to cover, according to them, this rape, why would David Leach help him then? That makes no sense. On the other hand, if David Leach did kill her, there stands to be a reason why then Tommy would help him with the body. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff here that doesn't make sense. So let's start with the prosecution well, it was, theory. This was, you know, they found it was David Leach's knife that killed her. But, I mean, the, the if we establish that there was not a rape, yeah, what is his motivation to kill someone that he just had consensual sex with? Whereas the motivation for Leech would be would be jealousy, um, or you know, uh, pos- uh, possessiveness, or any of those things. And also, you know, there's a theory that uh, Leech looked at it as though 
um, because Ginger and Leech were ex-boyfriend and girlfriend, and Ginger was the roommate of Leech's ex-wife, that this would be looked at as she had ruined his chance to repair his relationship. I don't buy that. It's necessarily, I buy the former part. That's just something I read. Yeah, it's just really mixed up here. The oddball guy in this thing is Tommy Thompson. David Leach has a relationship with Ginger, had one. He was boyfriend and girlfriend. They were, they were sleeping together. He also has a, wife, a, a, a relationship with his ex-wife, Tracy. They were sleeping together. So the only odd guy out here is Tommy Thompson. And he's the easy fall guy, especially in the prosecution's theory. Uh, Tommy Thompson was prosecuted before they prosecuted David Leach. Uh, David Leach was always charged with only second-degree murder. So from the start, they were going after Thompson. He was one charged with first-degree murder and with a special circumstance of rape. So this is where the prosecution, well, they made an error, and the high court reversed the case on that and threw it out because the prosecution used two theories. During the first trial of Tommy Thompson, they said that he raped her, and to keep her from telling on him, he murdered her. So the motivation um, was the rape, and of course her not telling. That gives him the special circumstances. And when they convicted him, then they go after David Leach. During his trial, the prosecution changed the theory. They said that David Leach was present in the, in the apartment, that he ordered Tommy Thompson to murder her, and then they disposed the body together. That's a conflict. You can't use two different theories in prosecuting two different people just to get a conviction. And the court agreed with that. You can't do that. Unfortunately for them, this was early 90s or mid-90s, and the U.S. Supreme Court stepped in and said, yeah, you can. So they did not allow the lower courts to actually um, discern the case, analyze the case, and rule on the case based on merits. So they basically, because of the highest court in the land, they handcuffed the courts. Subsequently, three months later, Tommy Thompson's put to death. Yeah, it's the one way of looking at it is that it's very unfortunate that they had sexual relations because now they've matched his blood type so they have him for this rape and what they're trying to do is secure essentially you know the highest conviction possible so they 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 can't get leech for the death penalty but they have thompson now because of the special circumstance because of his blood type matching yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, he's also the guy that has everybody against him. You're, you're dealing with David Leach's friends. Deshani was David Leach's friend. Tracy was David Leach's ex-wife. Ginger was David Leach's ex-girlfriend. Everybody that testified was a friend of David Leach. Tommy Thompson is originally from Chicago, Illinois. He doesn't have a whole lot of friends to come in. And I think something that we should touch on is that at least from my experience in studying, watching all these guys that have rapes, serial rapists, there's also always a pattern here. You don't wake up at the age of 30 years 
and suddenly decide, hey, I'm going to start raping today. There, usually there's tall tale signs when you're a juvenile, you're caught peeping Tom, you have sexual assault, sexual battery, you're caught doing miscellaneous things dealing with sex. You have nothing of this with Tommy Thompson. He's a graduate from high school. He goes into the army. He has numerous letters of commendation. He is honorably discharged. He goes to college. He goes to Cal State Fullerton. Then he goes to Santa Ana College. Then he becomes a photographer. There doesn't seem to be all this crime in his background. So, yeah, there's a problem there for me. And the... I guess the, 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 the nail, no pun intended, the coffin for this is after he's executed, David Leach, during a parole hearing, admits that he saw Tommy Thompson and the victim having consensual sex on the night of the murder. Of course, a jury never heard that. And we'll be back. Hey, man. Hey, um... So I wanted to go back to something, which was the theory that um, David Leach essentially had Tommy Thompson kill her. And uh, you being in jail with them and seeing, did you see how they interacted with each other, the body language and stuff? Did it seem like uh, Leach had control over him at all or to the point that he would be able to have him murder someone or, or what? Right, that's a good question. And the answer is no. David Leach was in mod 16 and 15. And let me explain what that means. It was a convict uh, unit. Most of the guys there, actually all the guys there, had been to the penitentiary for, had murder beefs. David Leach, uh, he, um, he conducted himself by observation like a convict. You know, he did his time. He was trying to be kind of a hard guy. Tommy Thompson's always been kind of the odd guy. You know, not to say he's a bad guy, just an odd guy. He was in a similar unit, but not in the same unit. And there's there were, there were interactions between the two of them in Mod 6. I was in Mod 15 with David Leach. So I saw the interaction when he would come into the tank and talk. And there was tension between the two of them. Now, I don't know if Tommy Thompson had the the balls to confront this guy. I mean, had it been me, there would probably be a confrontation right there. At least when I was that young, there would have been a confrontation. I'm being accused of something that I know I didn't do, and I know who did it, and he knows who did it, so we're going to have this out now. I didn't see that, but there was tension and there was an argument where Tommy Thompson would confront him about this. About what happened that night and there was no immediate like hey you're lying bullshit so unfortunately for him tommy thompson there was a couple of snitches also that testified against him and they kind of sealed him but it should be noted that those same snitches informants were basically professional informants they do something wrong they go rob bank they sell drugs and they get caught and immediately get put in these tanks and they would be sitting there and all they would do would be listen to conversations, go to people's paperwork so they can contact the DA's office and then say, hey, I'll testify for this guy if you give me a deal. Orange County is famous for that. There's a couple of huge cases that Orange County used all these informants to convict people, and it turned out to be hogwash. 
yeah, one of the informants, Fink, uh, spent 29 days in a better facility as a result of his informing, and he had informed on several other murder cases and received leniency in all of them according to him and according to the truth. And this system still goes on today all over the country. Your call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Uh, it goes on today all over the country on a pretty large scale. I don't know why it hasn't been done away with. Um, we know that these informants don't have any credibility that they'll say anything to get their sentences reduced, to move to a different facility, uh, sometimes just to get attention. And uh, their their opinion or their version of the events should hold next to zero water. Yeah, they shouldn't have any kind of credibility, unfortunately, do because, as I mentioned, a lot of these guys that are going through murder trials, they have substandard defenses. So to help themselves, they have the police reports, they have whatever they can get a hold of in order to review it to possibly help in their own defense. <laughs> Again, unfortunately, they have to keep these things in the cell. In Orange Company, Mod 15, 60, you normally don't get a single man cell unless you're already a convicted murderer and you're going to death row and they put you in a single man cage, or you're a screw-up. For the most part, you're in eight-man cells. So all of your property, when you go to the child hall, can be looked at by anybody. Any professional snitch or tattletale or whatever you want to call it, informant, can read two police reports and know all the basis of the crime. And then all they have to do is sit down with a DA and start telling, this is what I know. And then a DA, if the guy's good enough, he can get the DA to tell him more facts that no one else knows. Or the DA gives him those facts. He thinks, hey, this guy's going to help me with my case. It's not about justice. It's about winning. Anybody who thinks it's something other than that, they have blinders on their face and they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Okay? It isn't about justice. It's about winning. Prosecutors want to win. It doesn't matter how they do it. They just want to win. Now, some of them won't cross lines. There are good prosecutors out there, and they just do their job. But ultimately, winning is what matters to them. Now, they may not cross the line and give an informant the information to tell on somebody. But the informant says, hey, I know this. The guy told me. Why would they uh, question him? He's got information. So they use it, and that usually convicts a lot of guys. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a numbers game. Once once it gets to their table, to the DA's office and to the prosecutors, they assume that everyone is guilty, um, and they don't care if you're not. It's not their job. But the mentality that most of them have is, I mean, let's just be honest. They run on convictions and the more convictions they secure the safer their job is it's just a fact that's absolutely true and then there's also the part that look you get jaded after a while dealing with look I, i'm jaded i'm probably the most jaded person you're ever going to meet somebody tells me he's innocent i roll my eyes yeah okay yeah tell me something i don't know everybody in prison is innocent right there are innocent people in prison a lot of them are, are guilty what the problem is, is sometimes they're not guilty of what they're accused of. Maybe they did X, Y, and Z relate to the crime, but they 
get cocked on all kinds of other stuff. And one of the cases, Tommy Thompson. He sentenced to death because of a rape. A rape that I'm not buying, and anybody with any sense wouldn't buy. Um, and, of course, there's people here. Like, I, I mentioned to you that I met Tommy on the row as well. I came to, to Yard One in 1988, and he was on the yard. A couple of years later, before everything happened with his case, there was a guy on the yard, and he didn't like Tommy. He was mumbling, he's a rapist and all this stuff. And um, The reason why Tommy was not attacked on the yard immediately, because there was huge doubt, even among prisoners and convicts, that there was no rape. It was, that's bullshit. So, but this guy, he convinces this guy named Gary Hines. And I'm going to mention that because I really don't give a damn, to be honest with you. But he convinces this kid, and he's just a dumb kid, that this guy's a rapist. You've got to take care of your business. So Tommy's sitting on the iron pile, on one of the benches from the iron pile, drinking some coffee. And I said this before, Tommy was kind of an oddball. He wasn't the coolest guy in the guy world. If you're going out, he probably wouldn't be your, your lead man if you're looking for going dancing with women because he wasn't the smoothest guy in the world, okay? That's... Like fidgety or like, uh, what, what, what do you mean by oddball? Well, his personality, he thought that, you know, it it was kind of comical the way he was. He's he's a tall guy, about six, six, one, you know, but he was off. His personality was always, he he cracked jokes that no one got. He, He just didn't know. He was awkward socially. And, and that isn't to say that that makes him a, a bad guy or a killer, a rapist, all the other stuff, but, I mean, he was odd. So it was hard to get a grasp for this guy. When you go to the yard, you didn't really immediately relate him with a convict or a guy you should be scared about or nothing like that. So this other guy convinces this kid to assault him. And sure enough, this dumb kid picks up a dumbbell and runs across the yard and cracks Tommy in the side of the head with a 50-pound dumbbell. I mean, I'm, th- I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, another day, this, this is San Quentin prison. This is what happens. Of course, he only stunned Tommy. Tommy rose. He's bleeding across the face. He's got blood dripping down his, his whole skull. And he goes out to this kid. It, it's almost comical. He chases him around the yard trying to fight this kid because he just assaulted him with a freaking 50-pound dumbbell. And this is the kind of – this is why I say it's easy to pick on Tommy because he was odd. Even in prison, he didn't fit in. And I, I'm tr- what I'm trying to explain is that in society, in the normal free world, he probably was a little bit awkward as well. And nothing changed in prison. It was easy to pick on him. Didn't have a whole lot of friends. Didn't have a whole lot of influence. And I think that's where this whole thing goes haywire. And there's all something to be said that he's, a, he's arrested on a beach in Cabo San Lucas. No one knew he was there except for David Leach. Suddenly, Tommy's arrested, and the cops already got this story. Where'd they get it from? They got it from David Leach. He was yeah. the one that first came to the police. He's the one who first told them what happened, so they were going by his version. And his wife, who... I, I, I think we covered it before we started recording, but after the first day, Tracy Leach, David's ex-wife, uh, went to the police and filed a, a missing persons report after kind of haranguing Thompson about what happened to her. 
because she hadn't been home for a day. Um, and I'm all for being cautious and everything, but uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like the normal type of behavior that someone would have if their roommate was didn't come home for a night. Yeah, and see, this is where you and I agree. But we weren't there, so we don't know. And, and if the audience doesn't know this, you know, you and I are, are we're reexamining the case. We're, we're speculating on what we believe happened. And we're both guys. We, we both have seen how people respond for a number of years and decades. Something doesn't fit in the nicely packed story that they had. Tracy's saying this, David's saying that, All everybody is surrounded. But all the stuff that happened, the fingerprint, I mean, the, uh, the blood, the apartment, the fibers, Davis truck, the footprints, the rope, everything seems to point to David Leach. No, I was just going to say, it just seems to point to him, but somehow everybody diverts their attention to Tommy Thompson. But we have, we have to talk about what we think did happen because Thompson um, in police interviews said that he slept through everything which seems fairly implausible. My question would be, why would he go uh, away with Leech? You you would think if someone killed someone and you realized they were this murderer, this really you know graphic, creepy murderer guy. That I mean, why would he go away with him? Yeah, it's an excellent question. I don't have the absolute correct answer for that, other than to say that there were roommates or friends. They kind of, David kind of probably talked them into it, maybe. And again, they, they could have both been completely guilty of this whole thing in terms of the killing. I, I believe, and again, no one sleeps through a murder. Tommy Thompson said he's asleep the whole time, and obviously the murder took place at the apartment. Or at least some of it did. They may have assaulted her there, they took her to that field, they killed her there, I don't know, or somewhere else. But to sleep through that... Highly unlikely. I would say it's impossible. Unlikely. So were they both involved? Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's unlikely. And and I'm not saying that I that I know he's innocent, but what we're talking about is him being sentenced to to death. And you know, he had ineffective counsel that was ruled in the court. I mean, he had a his his defense attorney, public defender, had spent all this time talking to a uh, forensic examiner who had told his attorney that Ginger was not sexually assaulted. And he spent all this time verifying this information. It gets to trial. He never calls the guy to the stand. 60 seconds remaining. He, he never calls the guy to the stand at trial. Yeah, that's, that's just plain gross incompetence. And yeah, I completely agree. He, he, this case should have been, and I said, I, I said this before, I believe they're guilty. I just don't believe they're guilty. I don't believe Tommy Thompson was guilty of raping her, and that would have taken the case to a whole different direction. He would have received 15 life like David Leach, and you and I would not be talking about this case. But um, those are the facts, and it's just, um, it's unfortunate. I mean, they executed a man who by all uh, evidence was innocent of that rape. We'll be back. Thank you for using Global Tail Link. 
Yeah, that was an interesting thing you said in that, you know, we don't have all the information, but we've both read just about all the information that's out there, which is not that much. You know, there's short articles, um, there's, you know, court documents, but it, it's pretty much what we've already said. And we get to see from, you know, Robert Alton Harris, the first guy executed, um, and the, the interest just goes down and down and down. Now we're at the fifth, which is uh, Tommy Thompson, and there's not one page of Google articles about the guy. There's no documentary. There's no book about the guy. When we get to number six, there's not even a Wikipedia article about the guy. Yeah, which which brings us to um, the next guy. Next week, kind of a piece is going to be um, Jay Serapon. We, they call him Jay here in the row, and, and I also um, knew him. He was in the same yard with me for a few years. So, yeah, you're right. The interest just goes down and down um, until, of course, you have like a serial killer or something, and that it makes piques people's interest again. Kind of sad, though, if you think about it, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I'd like to, you know, when I say, I think it's highly possible that California executed an innocent man here. Uh, it's also possible they executed someone who was involved in the crime. Um, but when you look at all the facts that we went through earlier, it was, uh, you know, it was his roommate's knife. It was his roommate's truck. It was his roommate's, you know, everything about it, his roommate's motivation and the fact that he's put away through jailhouse snitch testimony, which is bogus. And through, you know, a lot of people conspiring against him and as courts ruled his, his defense was incompetent. It's possible that that they did execute a guy that was innocent of this, of these crimes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've also discussed that there's federal judges, not some Yahoo thinking things up, federal judges that had the case before them. And they have stood by the fact that they believe that this man was put to death, at least innocent for rape, which would have taken that off the table. So yeah, really, really bizarre and you know we've come now to the execution itself which was there wasn't a lot of um you know it wasn't a circus like it was previously you know he was executed not a whole lot of uh people really showed up at the prison that day i remember that day there were some but it wasn't like it was before um and um he basically just went away and almost like you could see him give up I knew Tommy Thompson. I spent years with him in the same yard. I knew him quite well. He wasn't my friend. We weren't buddies or anything like that. I didn't hang out with him. But I watched him, and as I said before, I was intimate with everybody's habits on the yard. I knew what time Tommy would grab a cup of coffee. I knew the color of his cup. I knew when he went outside, who he hung around with, who his best friend was. So I paid attention to him. And... Um, yeah, it's just like he gave up. At the last, he just figured there was nothing he could do to help himself. And he just basically just walked to his execution. Yeah. Yeah, there was some back and forth, obviously, with the proceedings, but the Supreme Court intervened. Um, pretty gross abuse of power, which I'd like to point out that if you are a conservative and someone who tends toward the death penalty, you also tend toward... Uh, you know, state independence and not abuse of the 
federal government, you know, you're anti-big government, you want more of the state courts to have power, and this is the last, this is your worst nightmare if you're a constitutionalist or someone like that. FYI, I don't want to get on my soapbox. Um, so his last meal is uh, Alaskan king crab with melted butter, spinach salad, pork fried rice, Mandarin-style spare ribs, hot fudge sundae, a six-pack of Coca-Cola, and you have, do you know his last words? No, you tell me. They were read by Warden Art Calderon. For 17 years, the Attorney General has been pursuing the wrong man. In time, he will come to know this. I don't want anyone to avenge my death. Instead, I want you to stop killing people. God bless. So, pretty eloquent. It sounds like him. Yeah. And, And as I said, he maintains his innocence the whole time. Look, I spent a lot of time on these yards of guys. And I see guys say one thing to their attorneys, come out of the yards, they'll have a whole different ballgame. Tommy Thompson never changed his story. And his story was simple. I did not rape her. I had consensual sex with her. I did not rape her. And that was the end of the story. It was really simple to the point. And I guess in some ways that puts him in a position that he was involved somehow, disposing of the body, helping with the murder. I don't know. He was adamant about not being a rapist. That seemed to be a big thing for him. And, you know, I, I understand why. I can understand why. And um, whether the state of California executed the innocent man or not, uh, that's for the audience to decide. But uh, our job here at the Death Row Diaries is to report and let you know what happened, what's going on, give you a little bit of insights as to what the guy was like here, what I heard go on, what I saw, and, of course, the fact that um, there were 13 people executed here, and we're going to go through all of them, um, and hopefully you're enjoying this. I mean, not enjoying it in the sense of, like, you know, we're bouncing up on soapbox and we want to have her be executed. We're just reviewing for both sides, conservatives and um liberals so they can see what happened, how it happened, and get a bit of insight into what happens behind these walls when somebody's actually being executed. So what's your experience with guys like that that claim innocence without wavering whatsoever? Um, You know, like your average person can't tell if someone's lying or not any better than a professional detective, right? Um, But do do they ever break down do they say things to people like how common or rare is it that someone who claims innocence um it it seemed like it struck you as not all that common does that make sense absolutely And, and the answer is yes and no there are a lot of guys in prison who claim innocence i see it every day and it's probably out of let's say 10 guys eight of them here are saying they're innocent here's the difference I watch these guys every day, and I'm always paying attention. Consistency over years and decades tells me more about them than their words. For example, let's say a guy comes into prison and says, I didn't kill this person, and I didn't rape this this person. 
do it and do it. But his actions tell me a whole different story because his tastes, he starts looking for a certain type of pornography, bondage, tying up, little kids, whatever it may be, tells you he's not right. The way he interacts with people that come to see him tell you more. And over the years, the consistency of the story changes. When you tell the truth, if I tell you, Matt, last night we were in a purple car with pink polka dots, and I ran over a black rabbit, in 50 years from now, that story's not going to change. But in prison, guys that say they didn't do something, that story begins to alter over time. It changes. There's different elements brought into it. It changes with time, and that tells me a whole lot. So yeah, it can't be done in a room. I can't sit there and walk in and say, oh, that guy's lying. It takes a long time. Fortunately for our listeners, I've had that time. 38 plus years in prison, and I've watched every one of these guys. And I can tell you that Tommy Thompson never wavered, not even an inch. And I'm the first guy that's going to tell you, like I did with Robert Alton Harris, with all these other guys. And a lot of people probably don't like that I'm very outspoken when it comes to certain people. I'm a straight shooter. And I'm a bit of a conservative. Not to say I'm a Republican, I'm just conservative in my viewpoints. I don't affiliate myself with either party. But one thing I can tell is when someone's lying over years because of the consistency of that story. In my opinion, Tommy Thompson wasn't lying about that.